0: Yeah. Sure. Hello everybody, welcome to another installment of show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Nine Inch Nails, Korea, Qatar, the military, the Culinary Institute of America. Today's guest is the wonderful Jesse Torres of the Esquire Tavern in San Antonio. This is one of the multiple interviews coming up, mind you, yet to be released that we sat down at the Brooklynite for an afternoon and had a great time getting to know one another. So, I think you'll learn a lot about Jesse. He's really made a great mark in the San Antonio cocktail culture in a very short time. And the dude is just a true intellectual. It's great to talk about food, music, drinks, all of this stuff with Jesse. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy my interview with Jesse Torres.
1: big inspiration for me uh that really got me into composing was um Nine Inch Nails released uh The Fragile back in 99. Yeah
0: which uh, is a brilliantly symphonic record.
1: It really is yeah and I, I never skipped school like I was a really straight student in that, in that regard because we were going to school on a military base. Yeah you know? yeah yeah. Uh I totally skipped school that day went and bought this cd and Double listened to it all too. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. a lot it's a yeah, lot yeah, of it's record. It's yeah. and I ended up taking um three of the tracks from the album mm-hmm. and composing posing it for for a symphonic orchestra oh no kidding yeah which ones uh, if you remember it was just like you imagined uh pilgrimage and uh the day the world went away
0: oh man brilliant track
1: and it was like a three you know movement suite yeah and i you know scored it all out and um convinced my band director to let me you know, like, like con- uh, conduct it, it right? Yeah. it's the band, and we did. It was great. It was a lot of fun. It's insane because if
0: they probably knew the history of nine, did they know it's Nine Inch Nails?
1: Uh, some people did, but yeah. a lot of people didn't know, and they just liked it because they were. It's 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 musically appealing. Yeah, especially like the day the world went away was really beautiful. Like yeah, symphonically, and so, it was really gorgeous. Yeah, and like
0: all the the tremolo g- guitar kind of building off that There's like a, a duality between two of the. I, what do they call guitar monies, if you will? Where yeah. it's like the tremolo picking, it's really, really beautiful. And even the the dissonance of that snare, like that snare ring, mm-hmm. gah, it's like so gross,
1: but intentionally gross for some reason, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, Trent Rosner's has always been a fan of dissonance and yeah. noise. He he said that there's something strangely musical about noise. Yeah, and there really is. It's, it's, it's that very the Dissonance, true. that noise, that
0: the te- like tearing. It's a, a tearing sound, it's mm-hmm. almost the, the deconstruction of some of these sounds, like when you talk about his percussion especially, it's, it's distorted, but it's broken and it's molecular. Like there's something very simple about it and very primal about yeah. a lot of that. This stuff. And, that so,
1: and so by deconstructing his music, I got really into 20th century music and techniques and learning about dissonance and, yeah. and chords that, that are dissonant on purpose, you know, and making these really weird arrangements and stuff like that.
0: Like Cage? John Cage, right? Is that the... Yeah. Incredibly distant?
1: Mm-hmm. Like Almost intention, yeah. intentionally being obnoxious. And I, I loved music. it, you know? And like... So I got into that. Uh, I got into more music theory. I ended up uh, getting into recording and... Um, um, actually, I, I didn't get into recording first. I got into uh, sound engineering. Oh, yeah. Because there was a need... Were for, you doing like live sound? or? Yeah, live sound. So um, I started off doing uh, monitors. Oh, okay. Front uh, of house mix stuff. Yeah. So I did monitors and I said, you know... Got onto bigger and bigger shows, and then I started doing front of the house mixes. Yeah, and uh, that's how I just got into recording. That's crazy. And uh, Did, would, started building up a you know equipment for a studio, which is it's expensive. It's not cheap. Fuck
0: yeah, it's expensive, dude. <laughs> you know, like, there, so there are some good values in mics. Like even just coming back and saying, well, what what mics would I use for a podcast? The simple Google query of which mics would you use for a podcast, and it's like. Some of them are like the MXL 900, I think, one. And that's like a hundred bucks or something. But yeah, I remember when the, those first came good. out, like
1: th- those were a lot of backlash. Oh, these are, you know, cheap mics made in China and all that. And, yeah. um, and but, it's fine. But, but it's, you know, you know, being what I really learned, I learned a very important lesson back then is um, maximizing what you have yeah. with little resources. Sure. And so, you Scra- know, w- we- when you buy something, you know, it's going to be as good as you can get for what you can. Absolutely. So you can really maximize it. You know, you're going to get a really good condenser mic that's got good range and can record a lot of different styles right, and right. different things. That way you can make the most out of it's it. Agile. You know, yeah, yeah. agile. It's like a 50,
0: 57. Amazing mic. Definitely about a couple 57s. Snare, you know. vocals, guitar, taunt, like anything mm-hmm. you throw it that. It's a good, good bang for the buck. It, oddly enough, barrel proof whiskeys are. A good bang for the buck because you, you get so much more. You get to kind of dilute it as you want. Oh, you know? of
1: course, yeah. I, I and you know and so by learning that, you know, you apply it to other things yeah. in, in the world and, um, you know, yeah. it really set me up for a lot of different successes later on in life about just kind of being um, resourceful. Yeah, very resourceful. resourceful. Yeah, know.
0: it's a brilliant way to put it.
1: So, did you, did you ever play live? Were yeah. You, yeah, so during was, this whole time, um, I was playing drums and bands. Oh, cool, drums, okay.
0: Yeah, was, that, so, was that your main, main Yeah, lead?
1: that ended up being my, my main instrument and something I just really, after playing all these instruments, like, drums just felt the best. You, yeah, you had a connection it. to mm-hmm.
0: it. With any particular drummers that you like? They, they kind of, you'd model uh, your when after? When I was
1: younger, uh, Matt Cameron from Soundgarden yes, was a Matt huge is influence good. on my drumming oh. style.
0: Yeah, <laughs> he's so off the wall, but it all works. Like, weird time signatures. Lots of just random Tom rhythms and stuff. It's r- oh yeah, a lot program.
1: of different syncopation, great rhythm, um, yeah. great control, uh, great dynamics, um, and a cool dude. Yeah, I'd, I'd some... want
0: to fucking hang out with Matt Cameron. Yeah, totally would. I'm Ever not... since you know, and he, I, I think he made his way into that. So. Oh no, because he is playing with Pearl Jam
1: now. Yeah, yeah. Now he's he does. I mean, that's mainly Pearl Jam's drummer. Pretty Which much is,
0: am- is amazing that, that he kind of went from that that point of being in Soundgarden, always mm-hmm. keep him work for himself. Mm-hmm. which is a great a great thing and there's some flies around here so pardon me everybody if you hear a break in, in the vocal which i'm swatting out flies because i just i have this primordial need to just fucking swat out these flies but did the drumming thing take you to touring and making records and stuff like that
1: um you know when we were in high school um we had a pretty successful band really and we we toured around uh korea no shit for for a bit What's and it was that fun seen like uh back so this was about 2000 2001 uh it was really it was really cool like um so we were we were playing a lot of like blink 182 sure what the sign of of stuff that was out right yeah yeah, you know and we were in high school you know so we were playing that kind of music um mainly because you know it's fun and girls loved it (laughs) you know it's it's a lot of fun to see a lot of you know, hot girls at the front of the stage. How real quick jumping up and down. How dancing. is it
0: being a teenage drummer in Korea? That's not from Korea, so you're like kind of more exotic, right? You get a lot of attention. Drummers don't normally, but I imagine you probably did playing. Yeah, the band. I, I think so. Yeah, I got not so bad enough
1: to to really enjoy and be happy and yeah. just keep doing it. <laughs> it's
0: amazing. Yeah. So what what kind of stuff? So all right, let's say, step back a second then. So you were. You, you weren't born in San Antonio, were you?
1: No, uh, I was born in Las Cruces, New Mexico.
0: Las Cruces? Yeah. Oh, man, right by El Paso. Mm-hmm. Pretty so good college town.
1: S- spent a lot of time. So I was born in Las Cruces. My dad was stationed at White Sands Missile Range. Okay. So it's the closest hospital, really. Yeah. L- Las, Cru- Las Cruces. Ar- Army, you said, right? Yeah, Army.
0: And uh, it's just, it's so just you, your mom and dad? Are you yeah. Are siblings?
1: Uh, I have two sisters. Two si- younger And or older? they were both born in El Paso. okay. Both younger. So after White Sands, he moved to Fort Bliss in El Paso. Mm hmm. Spent a few years there. Both my, my sister, first sister, was born. Then we moved to Germany. Mm. Uh, lived in Germany for I think three or four years. Um, then moved back to El Paso, to Fort Bliss. Stayed ba- there. About
0: how old were you when you moved back to El Paso?
1: Uh, was about I think six. Oh, so pretty pretty young. Yeah, this so is all very not, young. not
0: like not disrupting your life that much.
1: Yeah, but when moved back to El Paso, stayed there till ninety five. Uh, my other sister was born during this time. Uh, then in 95, moved to Korea. Yeah. Spent the next six years in Korea. So I lived in Korea all for six years. All my high school years? Yeah, all my high school years graduated high school in Korea.
0: Oh, crazy. Is it is it difficult, high school there?
1: I imagine it'd be much more uh, difficult. It was actually an American school. Oh, it was? Okay. Yeah, it was an American school. On that the base? It was on base. Oh, okay. And okay. Um, it was small. I mean, the whole school, school population from 7th to 12th grade was under 300 students
0: oh wow that's not yeah
1: so not it was too much really cool community um really cool people uh ended up liking it so much that's why we stayed so long we just liked it and just kept Wait, living but, there. was your dad still stationed there mm-hmm. you, okay yeah still stationed there.
0: yeah so you get to hang out as much as you want you graduate high school and you're thinking do you want to go to college do you want to go tour more being being a drummer what, what were the plans then
1: uh go to college um Ended up going, uh, coming back here to San Antonio, but went to St. Mary's. No kidding. Okay. For, uh, for undergrad? Yeah. Wait, uh, but uh,
0: that seems relatively random since you hadn't lived in San so, Antonio, right?
1: So bringing us back to uh, that, my dad is from San Antonio. Oh, okay. He was born and raised here in San Antonio. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Yep. And he went to St. Mary's, you know, oh, too. so he's got good experience with it. hmm So uh, we moved back here. I went to St. Mary's um, for a year. Um the side of college wasn't me for me. The whole time I was here, I was pretty well, much what, doing just getting out about college.
0: Like that didn't didn't mesh with you, because sometimes it's like <laughs> I'd rather be have a social life. I don't really feel like studying. Do you just not see the value in it? Like, what was it for you?
1: Um, I wanted to do other things that I wasn't learning in college. Um, you know, I, I went I went to St. Mary's for biology. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do work in a lab. Yeah, that's what I thought I did. <laughs> right, you know, <laughs> until you actually do it, and it's like, no, that's not what I want to do. Um, no, I really wanted to do music. Yeah, and so I also applied to uh, to Berkeley College of Music in, in Boston. Boston. No shit. Uh, found out there was no way in hell I was going to pay for that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and afford to live in Boston yeah. and as well as going to school there. So, um, you know, I moved back to El Paso, where I still had a lot of friends. Mm. My family was still living back there. Um, so I went back, and I started getting back to music. Set up my studio. Uh, so this was what year are we talking when you're 2002 2003 so at the drive-ins
0: fucking huge oh yeah 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 so so
1: El Paso had a huge music scene yes El Paso has a great music scene it it did back then and I haven't been back to El Paso in a long time but I'm sure still does now yeah yeah um and it has a lot to do with I mean El Paso there's not much to do in El Paso right except to get in trouble except to get in trouble (laughs) and I you know play music and drink and um and that's Does that's everybody it. like
0: The Smiths in El Paso? I heard that rumor from yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> a lot of
1: you know, like all that. I mean, the, S- the Smiths, uh, the, Pesh mode, the Pesh Mode, that kind of like
0: forlorn, dark, moody kind of stuff that could cure probably.
1: Yeah, and and you see that a lot. I think in in the music that was coming out there at the time. Um, why it, do you, Why it,
0: do you think that? I have not been able to crack that code.
1: I I don't. You know, I get it, and I like look, that stuff. Like, th- think about this. Why are people that live in northern altitudes so into like? Really hard death heavy metal.
0: Oh, interesting,
1: like like Sabbath or like Megadeth. No, or? like I'm talking like like a like, Slayer. Like, like even heavier. Like I'm talking Napalm like, Death. Uh, Sorry, I keep dropping all these band names. But. Uh, uh, DSI. Oh or, Jesus! Or, I mean, like the darkest you know, like, of like, the like, dark. like Scandinavian metal yeah. and like. Um, no, it's a
0: good point. Why is there a Scandin- Scandinavian metal movement? It's, it's, I don't like,
1: understand. I, I feel like you know. I have friends that are you know up in Washington, up in where, rural upstate New York. Yeah. You know these really cold, snowy, miserable places, and they there's such a big metal scene in these places.
0: Yeah. Maybe they're just pissed that they're like, stuck in the snow all the time. I don't know. Like why? <laughs> you know,
1: but like it's like that. Like I feel like certain like Seattle, you know, bread grunge, and I feel like these. I mean, like Miami, like it's. That's a good point. I mean, like... It makes some sense. The the, the place you're at, like, the more I look at, you know, scenes like this, and, like, I feel like weather and, you know, culture and climate, they all... They all just, like, like culminate and kind of produce a scene? So, for whatever reason, um, El Paso produced that kind of... Lots of stuff. It's just... It's very
0: somber fucking... Like, if I were were just to think about what is... uh, El Paso, by the
1: music that they listened to, I'd be like,
0: man, everybody's really somber in El Paso. Somber,
1: either that or real, they were really like punked out. Oh, really? Yeah. So I feel like that kind of It's a big kind of
0: pull, like either really aggressive or really sad and kind of retrospective. Well, how was you? did you like going back to El Paso? Do you have a good time socially and playing in bands and stuff?
1: Yeah, it was great. Yeah. So I I went back to El Paso, uh, started recording, did a lot of recording, did a lot of uh, hip hop. Oh, really? uh, Recording. Writing
0: beats or playing beats?
1: both yeah. running pre- beats um recording a lot of great artists out there in el paso they had a really good uh, hip-hop scene at the time i'm sure they still do um yeah. pretty v- good mix of you know recording um some reggae some rock some jazz um
0: and so you, when you mentioned like you were building a studio had that happened yet mm-hmm. or, okay so yeah so were you running a studio out of a like your own place
1: uh ended up getting a house with three other three other guys mm-hmm. and we had a huge three-car garage yeah that i can that was converted and i pretty much built a studio in there no Just kidding the whole room. soundproofed uh, it and all. yeah that. I built a stage um it was really good for recording drums wow um pretty dead room or it was a live room oh very it was cool. very live this is really,
0: like, speaking of live room this is a very live room yeah
1: but it was live in a good way like yeah. it wasn't like harsh Conta- it was it contained it was contained live yeah it had so when he played drums like the snare would smack good right. you know like you'd get that yeah like but just but not too not too resonant right just like
0: it hits the not wall messy. And it's done. yeah you know, like and like like a tighter live yeah you can sure. say yeah
1: so it, it was cool sense. um and did a lot of recording out of there at the same time around that time um i started publishing a, a music magazine no so kidding I, as a, were you putting together the
0: pictures and the layout or are you writing for it
1: i was writing for it uh layout um I was basically the the editor in chief, like the publisher. No shit. What and what was it called? It was called a it was called the stripe. The stripe. And uh had a great staff, you know, and we covered basically just basically like like a little mini Rolling Stone for yeah. El Paso.
0: That's insane. There's plenty of people there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of interest in music. Yeah, it was. How was great. it rece- what, uh what was the medium? Were you guys doing it on probably not online yet, but no, physical, yeah, it, like it was paper? funny back then. Yeah,
1: it was still there were still, you know, magazines. You yeah. can still that's fucking like cr- that's incredible yeah like online really wasn't it was like i think i think my space was, mm-hmm. was starting <laughs> to become big around that time
0: so did you start building good good connections and did you man i can't imagine like you seem like you'd be really connected at that point so you're, you're producing music mm-hmm. which means you're connecting with the musicians that come into track you're writing music composing mm-hmm. you're writing about music like were you the guy were you the music guy in El Paso at that point? No, I wasn't,
1: I wasn't the music guy. You know, El Paso had a pretty good music scene already. Like, there, there were already some pretty great established bands. I mean, I mean, places to record. Um, El Paso already had, like, a world-class studio. What's, they, it, what's uh, the... What's the uh, it was in Tornillo. It was, it's like where... So, like, that's so where At The Drive-In, Mars Volta recorded there. Mm. Uh, ministry recorded there. Oh, shit. Um... I think Yeah, Yeah, yeah has recorded one of their albums there. Oh, wow.
0: So it's like a, it's an oasis.
1: Yeah. So it's it's like a little ranch. It's, it's in Torneo, And I forget the name of the the, the place now. Uh, I think Sonic Ranch Studios, I think was what it was called. Uh-huh. And it was out basically on a ranch okay. in the middle of nowhere, like outside the city. Yeah. So it was a very, it was very much like an oasis. That's so cool. Yeah. A lot of, so it had that going, a lot mm-hmm. of international yeah, things kind yeah, of going. Yeah. And of, there was a, a couple other studios that were, I mean, there was lots of people. A lot of people had studios, and a lot of people had bigger studios. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's a great scene, and there was a lot of people bringing in shows. We had a lot of great venues. We had a lot going on for yeah, ourselves. Yeah, it seems like
0: it. And, you, and, and in some sense, like, you were kind of helping bring all that stuff together, writing about it.
1: Yeah, and, 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 you know, and now I think about it, I think, I think a lot of it had to do was that we weren't bringing in national acts. Yeah, no one, no one was coming to El Paso.
0: They didn't see a value in it, did they?
1: I remember when uh, Fugazi's
0: last tour... They played two shows in Texas, and imagine where those two shows were. Cause Fugazi fucking knows. They played in Austin. They played two nights in Emos, and they played two nights in El Paso.
1: Huh. I mean, think about that drive. Well, see, too. like I was saying, like that that pop, that punk. Yeah. That's 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 it's a huge it's, it's like, like a just huge thing a undercurrent. Yeah. yeah. But you know, we weren't getting like national acts, so I think it's like like when a, a town doesn't have a, a national team, mm. sports team. Yeah, yeah. But they have their their college team, or they have their high school team. Yeah, it's a good point. And that's what they just root for, and so like we were we were really rooting for each other, like and you know trying to make El Paso music that's incredible so, so
0: what it what did it ultimately lead you to do? did you end up touring doing no, more records?
1: no so, so um I learned a I ended up learning a really big lesson um oh yes please at that yes, time. so so I ended up learning a lesson in in business dealings and about picking good business partners right at but the you time can never tell sometimes you know, and so uh you know, I, I I lost a lot and what was I, it?
0: What was the particular business? Was it
1: the studio? For, no, for 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 the magazine. Oh, okay, okay. And you know, it, it was it was it wasn't good. You know, it was a bad deal and yeah. it messed me up quite a bit. You know, well, it was like, like damn, a, You know, it's like being heartbroken.
0: Yeah, I've had this happen recently with the business dealing. and it's no different than the person that you love saying, "Yeah, sorry, I'm over it. I'm out." Like it's the same thing you put your time into it put your sweat into it your love of music in this case into it um it's got to be really
1: difficult yeah so what'd you do and so then you know it was like you know i was real distraught and and there, there was there's was more to it um
0: i'm sure there's some minutiae there but but ultimately <coughs> it, it sent you forward in some sense
1: yeah right? so so at that point in my life i was like you know you know i was 24 i was like well i'm still very young um I had always wanted to to join the military.
0: Yeah, because your father's in the army, right?
1: Yeah, and and so, um, I, I looked and I was like, you know, if I if I join now, so I. Being in Korea, in Korea, every every male in Korea oh. has mm-hmm. to serve in the military. How long? For at least two take? years. Two years, okay. Either that or like some form of uh, civil service. I see. Okay. Uh, so I mean if they wanted to go to college, they can still go to college and do some kind of civil service. Gotcha. You know, yeah. but they still had to serve the country. Yeah. And I always like, when I, growing up in Korea, like I always it's felt like a sense it, of that. Yeah, I was right? like, you know, that's a great idea. Like, and so I was like, well, this is the perfect time to, to do that, you know, because. Mm-hmm. You're not too old, not too young. No. So, that's when I joined the Air Force and, uh, joined the Air Force, was in the Air Force for six years, active duty. No kidding. And you then. See any
0: cool places in the world? Yeah.
1: So, uh, right out. I, I joined the Air Force in El Paso. They sent me to here to San Antonio. No shit. I went to basic training, went to technical school here, uh, got sent. My first base was Germany, uh, Rammstein. Right.
0: Again, bringing, bringing it back,
1: right? Yeah, so uh, stayed two years in Rammstein. Um, after that, uh, moved to New Jersey, Jersey. to Air Force base. How was the house, Jersey? It was great. It was good. Uh, so, Maguire, the base itself is like in the middle of like farmland, southern Jersey. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's nothing out there. It's just yeah. farmland and pines.
0: So, it's beautiful. It's, there are, yeah, there it's are
1: gorgeous. So that's the thing about Jersey. Like a lot of people, they say, oh, fucking Jersey.
0: But that's the Jersey Shore is kind of dang. Yeah. it's so, like But Jersey's gorgeous. Like I had no idea. Footage.
1: You know, I'll tell you a great story about how beautiful Jersey is, is... Uh, I, I I deployed to Qatar one time mm-hmm. and Qatar literally looks like you're on the surface of like Mars or something. No shit. Cause like, it's
0: flat and like a bunch of dust. It's flat. Right.
1: It's desert. There's no vegetation growing on the ground. Right. Like literally there's no weeds or anything growing on the ground. It's yeah. so hot and arid and there's nothing. It's desolate. Yeah. So you know, after seeing that for so much like when i went back to jersey it was like full-on like summertime lush and colorful it was so lush like i was driving home like i was driving myself home like after coming getting off the plane and this is the first time i had seen like jersey during the summer yeah yeah, yeah. and i was like i almost like ran off the road i just couldn't stop looking at everything <laughs> <laughs> it was stupid but this it's a really no beautiful ki- place k- wait, is it qatar qatar right yeah qatar yeah. That's, it's,
0: so that's a pretty good stance. so you go to san antonio Germany, Jersey, where else did you make it?
1: Um, so, I was basically living in Philadelphia, or the Jersey side of Philadelphia, Okay. during that time, and I deployed three times, twice to Qatar, and once to Afghanistan.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess the question you probably get a lot is, like, did you see any action?
1: Uh, no, I'd, I'd say most people didn't, didn't, didn't see any action, I mean... Because Air Force
0: it's, is slightly different. It's not like it's literally not on the ground.
1: You know? Yeah. It's plus, I don't know, like it, it's, it's not like traditional battle or anything right, anymore. Right. It's like,
0: yeah, it is. It's all kind of calculated to people it's a lot in a room of doing Little stuff.
1: skirmishes here and there, and we're dropping a lot of bombs, a lot of UAVs. Yeah.
0: A, how, how is it like I'll never be in a jet plane? How is that feeling?
1: I don't know. I haven't been in a jet plane either. okay. I'd okay, love to good, though. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love I give to. you too much credit, I guess. I don't know. Uh then that'd be amazing. Yeah, I've always wanted to go in a jet plane. I, I have a couple of friends that did. Like they, they they won like a like they were like NCO of the year. Uh huh. You know, and they got a their their one of the, the the prizes they get for for you know the accomplishment was to fly in a jet plane. Oh
0: man, it's like, amazing. Yeah. God, God. <laughs> Son of a Because that's got to be amazing. It's got to be
1: something. I, can,
0: I probably couldn't do it. I'm, I'm sure they'd, they would see it on my face. Like at haunted houses where the person that's scared, like, oh, we're going to fucking terrify Cause, cause that Because, you know, you
1: know, like you think about going on a roller coaster and that's nothing like compared Dude, to like oh, going.
0: Right. It can't be. At
1: supersonic speeds. Yeah. And, yeah. Then just go whoosh, flipping the. I, I couldn't do it. I don't, yeah. I've never vomited on
0: a ride, but I'm pretty sure that would not vomit. Yeah, you'll pass vomit. out. Like,
1: you know, they wear oh, g fine. suits I and could, shit, you know? I could
0: pass out. As long as I don't vomit <laughs> all over myself, I'm fine. I'll pass out. I'll piss myself. I don't care. That's fine, you know? But I,
1: I flew seat. quite a bit. Like, uh, I worked with the heavy airplanes. So, yeah. the big C5, C17, C130s. And like are they re- refueling, kind of? Uh, like, cargo movement, oh, okay, passenger okay. movement, all gotcha. that. Um, I got to fly on those quite a bit.
0: Turbulence is not the same on those, is it?
1: i think it's probably probably worse, worse.
0: <laughs> is it is it
1: scary being on those massive planes some people are scared of them you like that? you know they those planes I'll, I'll give it to them they're massive and they're huge yeah but they can fucking fly them like yeah. they can fly them like and do some crazy shit with them like they can bank them hard we flew on one training a couple training missions on a c-17 they were like diving to the ground and then as soon as they hit like the runway like they touch and go back up oh my are you kidding me oh yeah That's like crazy we flew on a trip from jersey to to phoenix on a training mission mm-hmm. and they were riding through the rocky mountains and just like just weaving through weaving through the, the mountains like child
0: this is child's play. really low just
1: yeah and it was like you know this massive plane like yeah this ma- you know so they, they've got there's a lot of skills there. there's a lot of skill and like, these planes are really they're really it's fascinating to, to think about this huge thing is just that Agile and yeah. can do these, all the while carrying like all this all this stuff, cargo tonnage, this are, lots uh-huh. of tonnage, right? Yeah, so they're really pretty cool planes. So. Man,
0: that's crazy. So when you were thinking about, so the did the Berkeley thing that happened before the Air Force, though. Although you ended up in Philly, which is somewhat close. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, was there ba- is there a base in Philly or it's base in Jersey? Yeah, base in Philly's Philly. So it's close. about
1: forty five minutes east of Philly. Oh, okay, and I lived about. 30 minutes away from the base. So I live closer to Philly than I lived at the base. Oh, okay. I lived about 15 minutes away from downtown Philly. Oh, not bad. So no, it was great because, you know, I got to spend a lot of my free time in Philly and it's a in New York. A beautiful and, cityscape. Yeah, Philly is a great city. It's got a great scene. Uh, I was there from, I think, 2009, 2010 to 2013.
0: Oh, really? So pretty recently. Pretty though. recent. yeah. Because yeah. so, I met you shortly after you yeah, came back. Yeah, I met to you right
1: as getting to here just I, right
0: right right mm-hmm. in san antonio were you seeing the well, i mean i guess at that point in 2013 new york especially had been a very established oh kind of yeah cocktail i spent a
1: lot of time in new york just exploring just, it and enjoying. Were, were,
0: were cocktails and food of any interest at that
1: point yeah so so i know we talked a lot about my music but yeah. this whole time going all the way back um i've always been and been in the industry with food and beverage oh I didn't, okay so my, my dad uh, his his second job has always been a bartender. No kidding. And he bartended a lot. Um, so from a very young age, I learned a lot about drinks. Did he
0: bartend in Korea? But there's alcohol there for sure. Yeah, right? um, but, it, but he was probably, he was on base. Was no, th- this was earlier. Like, earlier on. Yeah. Okay.
1: So this was earlier, probably like 60s, 70s, oh, early cool. 80s. Different, different
0: scene. Completely. Oh yeah,
1: completely. So I, you know, like he gave me my first bartending book, an old copy that he had of it was from 1968, the Mr. Boston's Bartending Guide. Oh yeah, yeah. It was his. And I remember like when he when they'd have parties like he would put out a bottle of, of whiskey, a bottle of vermouth, and some bitters yeah. and it was like make your own Manhattan. <laughs> you know? You do it. Yeah. It's amazing. So like, you know, he taught me a lot and I grew up with it and I grew up So that was my other like passion was learning about spirits and learning about cocktails right. and Do you do you find there's a there's
0: a a nice commonality between spirits and music? Cuz I, oh, yeah. I it there's this strange it's not strange but there's this a very common thread with the people that I talk to like yeah so and many you people know, are I, in music I was
1: listening to I think the the, the podcast you had um, some little while ago you had brought up that you there were so many people in music that come into the it's world it's insane of, yeah of, of, so many people A booze
0: and it's. I and I feel like and tell me if you, if you feel this way but I feel like music is a balance of notes different tones right so bass tr- middle treble if you look at
1: your EQ settings
0: mm-hmm. you know on your and i think drinks are very this similar. Yeah. It's the same thing. no matter
1: what. I mean, you look at the balance of of this bottle of of stag here right. and you think about what makes it great. Well, i mean compared to other whiskeys sure. or other shitty whiskeys, you <laughs> yeah. know. And it's because you know they've managed to balance things inside it and yeah. make it this cohesive beautiful spirit. And so down from individual spirits and liqueurs, all the way, you know, to to actual cocktails and balancing all these ingredients. Yeah. So it's like this is a finely crafted and honed guitar, mm-hmm. and a cocktail would be a whole band. You that's, know? A great,
0: that's exactly
1: right. You got, that's, totally, that's how I look at it. I go back to the Beatles because it's the easiest thing for me to remember. Like,
0: four dudes, everybody's got their place, and no one is ever at a place. Right. And you yeah, know it's John. You know when it's Paul. You know when it's George. And you <laughs> certainly fucking know when it's Ringo. like it's yeah. and drinks are not that food's not that different either it's just, it's the same thing it's just this combination of notes and everything so
1: it seems like this and and it's part of performance too sure definitely. well that's true yeah it's absolutely. part of performance and you know putting yourself out there and you know there's some like my shit's good and your shit sucks you yeah. know there's a lot of shit <laughs> yeah. talking and you know that's true that that's <laughs> very very
0: true absolutely true <laughs> And so when was when was that first moment where you finally got your feet wet into...
1: So, um, you know, um, when I moved back to El Paso... Um, doing the zine at that point? Yeah, when I first moved back to El Paso, returning from here, St. Mary's, my first job was working, when I moved back, I was working at Applebee's. I started okay. working, I started cooking. And um, the whole time I was you know, recording and, and doing everything. Like I always was either cooking or I started bartending or like that was always like... Like I'd you always, just balance, you're juggling that mm-hmm. stuff all the that time. Was, I was always doing both the whole time. And um, it's, it's just the two loves that I had, you know. Yeah, well, because there, they work and, with, the, music. with each other.
0: They give each other momentum, mm-hmm. you know. Like drinking... <laughs> imagine how many great songs have been written... As bourbon as the impetus, you know, I mean, that's, it's funny because one does give to the other, but then at the same time, art and music lends way to try to craft co- cocktails, I think, too, for me, or dishes, you know, like, if you taste a, a great bourbon, like, so segue into the stag real quick. So we're doing a vertical, we're fucking bougie, lucky, privileged guys. <laughs> you brought the bottle of 2013 George T. Stag Buffalo Trace Antique Collection, I brought the 14, so we're tasting these vertical. Yours is sixty four percent dot something. That mine is mine. Not yours and mine, but the two thousand fourteen is sixty nine percent. We're tasting these like in in tandem, you know, and they're incredibly different, and they sing in these whole whole different ways, right? And they're very musical. Do you have any kind of like? What do you think about the thirteen and the fourteen? I think I've got them lined up here correctly. They're both stag is to be reckoned with,
1: man. Oh yeah, it's a it's quite a force. That's why I've always loved it. I just I love these really ballsy kinds of things and these just big things. Like,
0: why does it remind like it? it do, do you watch a lot of movies?
1: Yeah, as not as much as I, I'd like to, but do you, I, so like
0: it makes me think of Charles Bronson and like Lee okay. Marvin. Yeah. And Chuck like the guys that had the cojones from mm-hmm. the 70s and the 80s. That's what stag reminds me of because it's not easy, but it's not difficult. It's rough around the edges, you know.
1: You know, then and there's lots of like these very gorgeous and elegant and very, just you know, uh, sublime, this is a sublime kind mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. uh, whiskeys and spirits, uh, and those are great and they're there's, they're beautiful in their own respect. And this sure, is sure. Everybody one of them. needs a Kate Blanchette, right? <laughs> this is this is not one of them, and this I love is, it. I love it for that. I love it just and.
0: I mean, it's got the
1: fucking stag horns on uh, it, dude. It,
0: <laughs> Got horns on it. What other, what other said Stag Jr., what other bottles have horns on it? Well, there's Red Stag too, but that's that's kind of a mm. misappropriation of the, the beautiful Stag name.
1: So, I mean, and I, I love it for what it is. And so, I, I thought it was really cool that you had a bottle from a different year. Yeah, it was so an was amazing
0: like- way to collaborate. i no finer way to collaborate than do a vertical <laughs> on George T Stag. Beautiful stuff in its own right. So, you're still focusing on food, focusing on cocktails. You head back to San Antonio in 2013. Did you do food stuff in New York as well? Or um, no, so you were just visiting. So in Philly. Yeah.
1: So it was it was a it was a great education because um, I was still in the military and like that, that that was like what I did. Yeah. But every chance uh, we got, because I, I was married at the time.
0: Yeah. When did when did you get married?
1: Uh, I got married in, in Germany. In Germany. Yeah. Ah. 2007. Did you meet her in Germany. Yeah, but she she was also in the Air Force. Oh no, kidding. Mm-hmm.
0: And she moved with you to San mm-hmm. Antonio. If yeah. I, I think i met her.
1: Yeah, so uh, she was always very much into food and drink, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a lot of great adventures uh, going to a lot of great places. Yeah, for sure. Uh, especially like in New York, um, we were pretty lucky to pretty much hit up every... Any big spot? Any milk, famous was spot. Was Milk
0: and Honey still open at that point?
1: Milk and Honey. Yeah. Um, that was one of the places we didn't, we didn't go. Was milk oh, really? And honey. I would say that place and geez i mean there's that's so many one of the few minutes. places that we really didn't didn't really get to go to but did you check out pdt too mm-hmm. yeah pd yeah all those all those places i mean I and mean, there's places that have been open since yeah oh um, we did, lots but, of places. dead rabbit and well i did go to dead rabbit oh you did okay. so when i was so i ended up going to cia and then i went back to new york to to cook at uh, le bernadon for so a was,
0: okay so let me get so you were you're in philly was the air force your your action or your, what did you what call it? Like that, that it was over? Yeah. Like you're so still enlisted, right? But your your assignment's over.
1: Yeah. So in, in the military, you're, you're on contracts. contracts. Like You sign okay. a contract. Our, my contract was for six years. Uh, I didn't re-enlist. Got it, I, I didn't extend it or go another four, or six years right. or whatever. And that's
0: when you came back to San Antonio? Mm-hmm. So oh, I okay.
1: separated. That's what they call it. They separate. I separated, uh, although I stayed in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. I separated from active duty. I stayed in... Air Force Reserves, mm-hmm. so luckily San Antonio is a big Air Force city. Yeah, for obviously. Sure. So um, they had a Air Force Reserve unit here that fit what I was doing. Yeah, and for the next two years after that, I was Air Force Reserves here. Oh, cool. Okay. So
0: and and still have some family here mm-hmm. and getting. More, a refamiliarize with what is kind of like this bubbling up and kind of culinary culture that's kind of coming into play, right? Oh yeah.
1: So it was great to see what was going on, you know, like in Boston, New York, D.C., mm. Philadelphia, and seeing what's going on, and then coming here and you know having that knowledge and you know kind of expanding on it yeah. and you know doing things like that here, and it was it was really cool. It's like to see, and the reason why I liked San Antonio, I mean, there was a lot of reasons. You know, they had they had a reserve unit for me. They had the CIA was here. I had family here. Yeah, but looking at San Antonio, San Antonio um, had a really budding and cool. I think I think a really cool looking food scene and drink yeah. scene going yeah, on yeah, here. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's and still
0: like kind of untapped. It's it's like the areas of Texas that were prime for oil drilling. You yeah, know I mean, like not to make it like about profit or anything. But San Antonio is still relatively an untapped economy with regard to food. Oh, and definitely. And, and it's so big. It's
1: a big, it's a huge market. Um, but you know, unlike other other markets, um, you know, there, there's a lot of differences. You know, just looking at population size, you would think, well, you know, why isn't it this way, or how come it's... You know, well, there's a lot of other factors here. A lot of right. cultural factors. You know, um, a lot of people hold on to, you know, tradition mm. and. They don't want to change, or still a lot of poverty here in San Antonio. Absolutely, um, you see, you see, it's
0: got a lot of promise, though. Still,
1: yeah, it does. I mean, you know, and so it has a lot to do with um, just education, and you know, showing people different things, sure. and showing people, you know, things they may have not tried before, and so it, it takes a little bit of, you know, controlling, and getting things, you know, but um, I think we have, you know, some really great people here that yeah, are absolutely. really helping you know to bring this kind of change about sure and the better you know, and for bring for it the to a national scale
0: mm-hmm. you know i mean, I, mean I, just, I just chatted with jared i mean the dude put himself on an international map for san antonio probably the first mm-hmm. to do it that way you know from san antonio
1: that's great it's I mean, totally
0: great and so this pursuit you're at cia in san antonio did you see something more coming about and you said you how long were you in new york after that
1: um for for the CIA yeah uh so I was going to my original plan I wanted to uh extern at uh, La Bernadon okay because we had to extern okay for about five months sure during your stint and that's where I wanted to go so I went there and and staged for a while at La Bernadon so I stayed in New York for about a week (laughs) yeah how was it it was great. I mean, going back there, it was like, damn, I really miss this place. Yeah?
0: Do you ever think about moving back? <laughs>
1: uh, it's a no, rough No, and, 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 you know, as much as it is rough, I mean, I, for the week, I was, we were living in Bushwick with a friend at the time. Mm. I, w- I was living there, going to La Bernadette. And and
0: you, did your wife at the time go with you? Mm-mm. Oh, okay.
1: She, she stayed behind. Um, you know, there's a lot of reasons why I came back here, and, you know, as exciting New York is... Um, I wanted to be closer to the family and mm-hmm. I wanted to get out of the fucking cold. I was mm. tired of it.
0: <laughs> was starting a family ever on your radar?
1: Yeah. Uh, but you know, like, like after you became established and
0: right financially, right? Yeah, yeah. And
1: all that, you know, and we, we had things going. So
0: did you, do you ultimately want to be a head chef somewhere? Was it parlaying that food experience into cocktails? Like-
1: no. Yeah. So it was all ultimately about, learning taking everything i learned at the cia day, cia and through cooking and, and putting it towards drinks yeah
0: interesting and that's it, a it's a brilliant way to look at it because drinks are food it's ingredients it's spouse it's the same thing like making a simple syrup or making a juice or clarified juice mm-hmm. it's like making ghee or, or you know lots mm-hmm. of other things with cooking so it's not so different
1: no it's not and i always had a fascin- fascination with sauces i always wanted to be a saucier which yeah. is why i love le Bernadon because they're saucier like when I, when I went to the station and I was looking at what he did and the sauces that he made, every day he make, he, well, at the time, he was making 22 sauces Jesus. every day. And these are just like the most gorgeous sauces. Yeah. You know, you could possibly, and they're just beautiful. And like, it's like I really loved like making sauces. yeah uh, Putting sauces, things together, you know, and so. It's a, it's something There's something about
0: sauces, <laughs> right? Like salsa to me is a sauce. Yeah, it they're is. all it's sauces,
1: different. yeah. Mole, of course.
0: Mm-hmm. Mornay. Like I, I don't want to get into mother sauces, but there's something about that that is so balanced. It's it is god forbid, but it is like a cocktail for your food. Mhm. It is cuz it's it so is. balanced. It's got all the all it's, the elements to it. It's liquid. I mean, yeah.
1: putting things together it's in not beautiful so ways. Mm-mm. You're just cooking it in a different way. You, yeah, you, if so, you eat the
0: stag up that same
1: way, you'll have a massive flame <laughs> on your hands. For sure. Yeah. So, I I loved it and I wanted to bring all that knowledge I had into into the world of drinks. Yeah. And you know, and and part of that was you know in the military uh, we have the GI Bill, mm-hmm, right, and they pay for your college up to three thirty six months. CIA count?
0: Yeah. Oh, rad. So okay.
1: you know I was like I want to use the GI Bill you know and I want to so the CIA was like a natural choice. Yeah. To, to do I mm-hmm. mean one of the best schools in the country and mm-hmm. even in the world for for culinary. Sure. It just so happens that they just opened one here in San Antonio. Um, I wanted to go back to San Antonio. It just it all worked it just out. Just lined up.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. What what do you think was your major takeaway from? Because you finished up at CIA, mm-hmm. what, what was the main thing that you got from it that you'll never forget? This is one of those like job interview questions.
1: What was the thing that you <laughs> learned at your previous employer that? You know, uh, I, I think I think the biggest thing I had a lot of great mentors and instructors there who are just they're just world class, they're outstanding mm-hmm. people and they really care about you learning and about you succeeding. And they taught me how to taste, how very to important. Thing. really taste. And I right. think that was probably the best part. Like, and critically, like, l- like, look at what you made, you know, because it was always about, you know, you know, you have tests, you have to make something. And then you bring your plate over to the right. instructor, you sit, sit down and present it to him, two plates or something like that. You have one, you and he has one. And you you both taste together. Both you taste. Talk, right? And he asked you, like, what do you think about this? You know, or, you know, and like really like make you think about like what but the hell you're doing. That and is being critical
0: what, of what you're tasting is so important for making cocktails. It's important for life mm-hmm. because it, it basically is what it's doing is giving you critical analysis skills, but in a different sense. right? Yeah. Like,
1: And not only that, giving you the voc- vocabulary to express that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think a lot of people miss that or they, they say things that they don't really mean. It's hard to express verbally or in writing like what you're experiencing. Right. Sometimes yeah, I think absolutely. some people have problems expressing emotions or that's why people aren't musical. They don't know how to express. And so yeah. it was giving me a means and a ways to express what i was tasting and to know what good tastes like right importantly like i have great examples of what things that are considered great or things that are great yeah. what they sh- taste like yeah you that's know?
0: A g- having some barometer for what mm-hmm. is great because yeah. it is kind of uh, you take whiskey for example if you ask people what's great and they say, because most people will say it because of the vow, like how much it costs. Either what they've right?
1: heard or what they think they know right. or what they've experienced.
0: Exactly. And, and you hope it would be that what they've experienced outweighs the other two. Mm-hmm. But some people, like, they'll look at a whiskey and like, oh, it's 20 years old. That's going to be good. But the thing is, unless you have discerning taste about it and really think about it critically, lots of 20-year-old whiskeys fucking taste terrible. Not terrible, but not less than stellar, right? Like the, the stag is probably, what, eight to six to ten? i'll also give that large range some but it's
1: yeah some people say it's up to 17 or 18 i've heard that oh before. really yeah oh, i've heard that way
0: off then on this one i'm uh, thinking of stag junior i think but
1: yeah but, uh, that's, what, that's what i've heard i mean they don't have no no age statement on it honestly right. but um i've heard that but that's a cool thing is it's yeah. like in, it's blind in a sense right mm-hmm. we're tasting it for what it
0: is and we're not letting the age buy us. So.
1: yeah and i i think they do it on purpose because it's it's the whole fucking barrel yeah they they find a barrel that they like yep whether it be this age or this age, and they say this is it. And it this is, is gonna dark. Be the stag.
0: It's wonderfully dark. I mean, it, it's crazy. <laughs> so as you kind of pursued using and converting, translating those skills you learned with cooking into the cocktail world, did it, because so and this is the thing, and I, I want to press on it too much, but so I, I, I've been divorced as well, and it seems like you guys are probably still pretty good friends. But what was did you find yourself moving one direction and she was moving another direction? Cuz it seems like this stuff's kind of lining up where you're having a change. Like there's no, definitely a
1: change. No. we we were both on on track of what we both wanted to do and yeah. I she always encouraged me to to do the things that I wanted to do in life mm-hmm. and I always encouraged her to do the things that she wanted to do and Right. And we always we always met. I think we were really good at that. We were good at a lot of things. I think we were really good at being friends. Yeah. Um but ultimately um we we learned that um we didn't have the the connection the 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 uh the romantic connection, like that connection? yeah a lot those kinds of things sure. that really made uh, a marriage successful sure and uh what so
0: I, this is, that's a good question. What do you think is something that will make a marriage successful
1: well, you know I, I think we we had some of it or we definitely had a lot of it, or else you know we wouldn't get married, but i think we had we had the trust. I think it's just great. Yeah, so great I think thing. trust, communication is key. Mm-hmm. She really helped teach me how to communicate, you know, and right, talk right, about right. things. And I think that helps a lot when you have great communication and you have good trust. Um, things that fall after that, you know, uh, are having that romantic connection. Yeah. F- connection in general, you know, sure. um, being able to share things. Um,
0: so just it cha- it's some- somehow it changed. Yeah. And. It was a something you both agreed on. Did did it send your life into a spiral of any sort?
1: Uh, you know, I mean, it's never easy. Yeah, it was yeah. a little rocky for a while, but I mean, it wasn't like a terrible breakup. I mean, we didn't have to get any lawyers or anything. Which you is know, good. Yeah. We, we basically kids, did so. it ourselves. We split everything up um, ourselves. You know, we knew it was best for us. Yeah. You know, and so.
0: And then what was what was that life like professionally for you after that? Did you have more centered? focus and kind of a clear vision of what you wanted to do
1: yeah, I think I ended up having ultimately i mean it sounds selfish and but like I had you know more time sure for myself to yeah, I mean you literally had more time Mm-hmm. so you know I had more time to you know to do the things that I wanted to pursue yeah and it it was good in that regard I guess I mean if you want to look at yeah I mean because I was like outcomes. trying to find some positive to <laughs> yeah. come
0: from it's like god we're we're both <laughs> so sort of sad bastards no like Fucking recover, you follow your passion and you do great things. Mm-hmm. And, and in effect, I think like even a lot of people that after that first marriage or that going on to the second marriage, that's where like the true greatness happens. And it's, that's happened to, to a lot of people. A lot of guys will attest to that. Yeah. But what was the first gig cocktail wise after you got out of the CIA?
1: Uh, the first gig cocktail wise after I got out of the CIA was with Micheli. Uh, Micheli. Oh, mm-hmm. so Micheli was the first gig. Okay, because you were helping. Gig- Build it, right? Yeah. So that was the first gig here in San Antonio. Yeah. Um, and I basically did all of their their drinks, their drink pairings for, yeah. their, for their elaborate dinners. And you guys, when did
0: the Mescalaria open up?
1: That opened up uh, this year, uh, back May 1st.
0: May 1st. And how long had Mishly been open? Like, what was the difference between how long they've been open? A year as a and a half.
1: So Mishly's been open for over two years almost two and a half.
0: Yeah. And then in May you had this area mm-hmm. with an amazing selection of spirits focused on agave mm-hmm. or espadigea. Agave,
1: basically anything Mexican. Yeah. I mean even rums or I mean basically just because the focus was on Mexico. Right,
0: right. What was it a particular type of spirit that you were Found yourself drawn to like agave. Let's just call it agave, or Mexican desert spirits, whatever.
1: Yeah. I So I had always been drawn to agave, and I I started really getting into agave when I first moved to to Jersey. So back in two thousand. Jersey, really? Yeah. Was it a big started, movement there? Well, not not well. I say Jersey, but like in Philadelphia. Oh, New right. metropolitan, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because Jersey is weird because a lot of people call it the armpit of the U.S. It's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of like a hinge, and it kind of just. Either fluctuate towards Philadelphia right. or New York,
0: which are both great metropolitan, mm-hmm. and
1: great cocktails. And, and it's basically like a buffer zone between the two. It's, it's, I see. They don't really have, I guess they do have their own identity for sure, mm. but so much of it is tied to either city. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. What was that first agave spirit that is like, man, I, I'm tasting something different here?
1: Oh, I think I think the first one I really ever had was probably illegal ah the new york espadine the the. they're yeah that's the hoven they're hoven yeah or maybe it was Reposado, but that was the first time i ever had mezcal i've had it like by itself straight mm-hmm. i had i've had i was having cocktails with mezcal they were rinsing a lot of things with mezcal at the mm-hmm. time um but it was starting to, to get really big you can see that especially like in new york mm-hmm. and so i really got excited about it and, it's know, something different explore. right mm-hmm. like it's
0: this new scene this new movement this new genre this kind of thing but it, of course it's been around for eons mm-hmm. in mexico and, and philippines and asia and stuff but there's something yeah i felt like so, so many people with, with mezcal and this i don't know if this is the case with me specifically but a lot of people like they'll rinse a glass with it like
1: mm-hmm.
0: i i don't want to date you but i'll i'll have sex with like that's right. Like the, the Tinder thing? Fine. We'll go get food. We'll, we'll fucking and then that's I'm it.
1: dabble in it. Yeah, day. just dabble in it.
0: But like <laughs> just a tip. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. But then once you say, "All right, okay, okay. I'm going to take this seriously. We're going to we're going to go steady, Mascal." Once you do that, the amount of love that you can taste, the amount of nature that you can taste, the amount of craftsmanship that you can taste is unparalleled in any other spirit. You know, I, and I've said this before on many of the episodes, but bourbon takes its life from the barrel. The distillate is a clean, grain-based distillate. Mm-hmm. Mezcal takes its life from the land and the makers. And that's, it's different. It's a totally mm-hmm. different thing. Oh, yeah. And it, it's, it is that special, isn't it?
1: It really is. I mean, not to say that other spirits aren't special. Sure. Because they, they are. And, I mean, the amount of work, and money and time it takes to age spirits Oh, geez. is bleeding you dry it's 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 huge yeah. i mean that's a, that's a whole like beautiful art and industry um aging spirits right um but you know that's that's human work and agave like you said is nature's work that's right you know you're you're agave is a tremendous beautiful plant i mean it it's it's a tough plant. It is. You know, so like, resilient. Go, go, going dude. back to, to like things that are tough yeah. and got balls, agave's got a lot of that. It's sure. got, you know, it, it it's pr- pretty much doesn't want to die. Like, yeah, it, it do, fucking, does not. It's going to go. It's going to go. go it's going to grow. It's going to it's gonna live. I mean, it takes a long time for it to, to get to that point where right. it can reproduce. That's ultimately, you know, the goal of lives to reproduce. Mm-hmm. Some of it takes up to 30 years to, to get to that point where right. it can finally say, it's time to reproduce. I got enough energy built up from the land yeah you know i've reached the point where i can bloom and release Quixote, you know right. you know my, my seeds and and that whole time you know it's working t- towards that point of reproducing right. it's taking in nutrients it's surviving yeah it's it's observing it's, it's observing surviving. you know it's getting all this and when you take your when you take that you're taking the whole plant you know you're not just taking a part of it you're not taking a little seed or grain right it's taking its life. You're taking the whole thing yeah. and you're making the liquor out of that. So it's, it actually it's, it's almost a, like it's a profound kind of thing. Very it's, poetic. Cause yeah, cause you, it's giving
0: life. its life in a sense. Cuz corn, you're right, it's a grain, single grain. Mm-hmm. You can still leave the corn intact if you want it. Mm-hmm. Same kind of thing. But the agave, you take its heart. You, litter, yeah, you literally
1: yeah, you're basically take its sacrificing. Heart. I mean, it would have sacrificed itself anyway to reproduce, which is sure. You but know, don't, no, let's make it more dramatic. Don't but. get it. <laughs>
0: It's de- we're killing we're it for gonna. our pleasure. Well so I heard that you're not amicable a anymore. Mm-hmm. What how how did that come about?
1: Um the disillusion as they say. So um going back um I I guess I, I didn't learn my lesson the first time about business relationships. About business relationships. <laughs> <laughs> Um but um you know I, I can't say that you know, I, I, I love being there. I love, I know I, I built that place. Yeah. You know, it seemed like. You know, how many, you know, it's not very often that you get to, you know, build your own place from the ground up pretty much. Not ground up, but I mean.
0: No, but the concept and the selection. Everything, I know? mean, it felt like you had a very heavy hand. in Yeah. The love from from designing,
1: the way it looked inside. Right. Uh, you know, I, I have a background in graphic design. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I did. You know, kind of put out a newspaper. I mean, yeah, a magazine. You had to know layout. So, you know, I was very good at that. Um, I designed the menus, you know, built all the recipes, with the cocktails, the beer, li- you know, it's when you have, and basically running the place, you know, doing mm-hmm. all the accounting and everything. And you were in it, you were mm-hmm. in the trenches. And, you know, I loved it. I loved it. This is what I thrived on and that's what I enjoyed doing. Yeah. And, you know, it was my baby and I loved it. Um, so. So something, uh, how are you feeling about it now? You know, it, it's, it's sad, you know, I, I, it's, it's. It was a beautiful place and, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm going to miss it a lot. hate but, to see it. But, you know, it's not the end of the world. I mean, no. I, it's, like, it's like going through another divorce, really. Right. And I've been through that. And so now, having done that, you know, I feel like it's, I'm prepared for it. I mean, I, I, I know how, you know, to keep my composure yeah. and, you know, just no, know, that, know that, you know, life goes on and there's always, you know, it's what you make of it, you know. And right. so I'm still going to, you know, go on to do great was, things. Was and, it amicable in
0: any way? Or is it pretty acrimony, pretty bitter?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't the best of. I mean, it never was great. Yeah. I mean, but
0: interesting. So you're and you headed over to Esquire if mm-hmm. I recall. Yeah. How's that been?
1: It's great. Houston's
0: touch and go with the place, right? Still. Mm-hmm. Wonderful guy.
1: Yeah, he's a great guy. I mean, they have a great team. I mean, we have. I mean, just an amazing set of of bartenders and service people and everyone there. I love you that. I was really on top of their shit.
0: I love the food there too. Mm-hmm. The food's amazing. About that place, where it's like. I want to get dirty with a sandwich, but I also want to drink some high class mezcal. Yeah, it's it's, cra- it's crazy that you have that kind of interesting parity between the, the spirit selection and that massively long bar, but you have the food's really good mm-hmm. too.
1: It's great. How
0: long? When did you start over there?
1: Uh, been there now for about a month now.
0: Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. And it's do you feel like you're getting your wings again? Like that you're getting.
1: Some- you know, I'm 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 in a different mindset now. You yeah. know, going from. From uh, from running the place and, and you know developing stuff and you know being you know this to just getting behind the bar and just fucking cranking out drinks yeah. and you know being you know in that, that mode again. Right. I haven't been in that mode since before I was in the Air Force, and I was slinging drinks like in El Paso at right, a right. really high pace bar. But you know back then it was it was different than it is now. But,
0: well, especially at Esquire you got great yeah drink. or
1: it, it brings me back to even being in the kitchen and you know working and just pumping out food and just yeah. being in that zone where you're on the brink of chaos do you,
0: do you like the hospitality element of it like helping people oh yeah
1: I definitely love it yeah and you know but I, 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 don't, I don't say that I'm missing that because I was definitely doing that at sure. for yeah, sure yeah. you know I was always out making sure that you know people are having a great time you know they're they're learning you know they're enjoying it yeah so
0: it's 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 good
1: man and it's been really cool i mean one i, I thank
0: you so much for your support and you know we had as i recant or regale some people with this story you know we made this a total incredible journey talk about heartbreak business relationships and people overstepping their boundaries all these kinds of things going through a divorce i'm heartbroken over the project as i'm sure in some sense you are about me but you were there when we did the first ever as far as recorded history goes, <laughs> the first ever Sotol distillation run outside of Mexico. Like the first fucking one. Oh, yeah. You were it, was, there, man. it was beautiful. I
1: loved it. It was, it was a lot of sitting and wait <laughs> and
0: watch the paint dry. But it, like like you were there for that moment that for me was very, very monumental. It was the culmination of a year of work, ups and downs, all these kinds of weird smells staining my hands. Oh, yeah. Like, I can't stuff. imagine the
1: amount of work you put into that. <laughs>
0: Dude, it's an, it, it was insane, you know. And it, it's I think it's wonderful because you know you you meet people in this industry in any capacity whether they are a brand ambassador whether they're a bartender bar back distiller distiller whatever right and every now and again you'll meet somebody like i just we just fucking like we just mesh and we just get it and it became really clear to me early on like we would always be we'd always talk like until i died we'd always keep in touch you know and it's it's been you have a really fucking cool story man and I'm glad to hear that you were able to fix the pop filter that I couldn't fix on that <laughs> fucking mic I I it's great to know that you can appreciate the music end of things the compositional element of both music food and thirdly cocktails um it's been really really cool getting to know you and thank you I we are nowhere near seeing where you're going to end up in this whole thing I think that you're going to be influential I think that you're intelligence and insight with food and cocktails is going to fucking shake things up it's just a matter of time man before you have your own place i know it so
1: yeah we'll it's be big, back
0: I, I i think so <laughs> i really really do so thanks so much for one sharing the stag the 2013 oh stag of course thank you
1: thank you for bringing yours and oh yeah uh, inviting me out here i mean it's it's really an it, honor and it's really a pleasure to, to be I, here it, with you
0: dude the pleasure is all mine coming out to san antonio this is like the first road show if you will of the podcast i'm just gonna say i have a show now i like i mentioned this before oh yeah i think Love you're that. what like
1: 24 in dude I, I, like I well i've got
0: like 40 but nobody oh, shit. yeah there's a lot there's <laughs> yeah you definitely lot, got a show going there. there's a fucking <laughs> show going on but it's been a, a, amazing to come to, to san antonio fucking hang out at the brooklynite jared was so so gracious and oh, yeah. us sit here and hang out um any yeah this is comes. this is
1: actually where i first met you that's right. Yeah, yeah. at, the, at the, the your genius the release, gin release, the yep. release
0: party. Yeah, there's lots of good memories here at the Brooklynite with, with mm-hmm. how I feel about. Yeah, I love this place, San man. Antonio. Really, it's wonderful. always. I,
1: I hope that it'll always be uh, a mainstay here. It'll always be uh, an icon. You I know, I think so. The the you know the way that some of the earlier ones have been. Yeah. So
0: Esquire will always mm-hmm. be around. I I think the Brooklynite will always be around. These are the pillars mm-hmm. of the San Antonio cocktail scene one last question for you are you doing anything for the cocktail conference uh going or partying or talking? yeah i
1: mean i'm gonna go to a few seminars um yeah. but you know for the most part you know Esquire is gonna be pretty crazy it's gonna be really it's busy be so insane. i mean just mainly just doing just working and keeping yeah. things going well
0: good man please keep at it keep on keeping on as they say and thanks so much for chatting with me Justin. thank you, thank you. Well, there we have it. Another wonderful conversation this time with Jesse Torres at the Esquire Tavern in San Antonio. We share a lot in common, not only the music production piece of which you didn't see, but he helped me get my pop filter on straight because it kept drooping like a limp noodle. But besides that, we both understand and have been through a little bit of heartbreak because you just you never know who you're getting into business with and you never know who you're getting into bed with when you work on a project until the project finally sees some dollar signs. So, you know, keep that in mind. It's all fine until the dollar sign. So thanks again, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. I hope you are enjoying the show. We've got a bunch of great interviews coming up. The Bar Institute registration started today. I can't wait to see you there in Austin, June 12th through June 14th. But no matter what you're doing, correcting a pop filter, talking about nine-inch nails, or skipping school, please keep dancing.